everybody. It's Nick Grok with the Denver Post. You are listening to the First and Orange podcast. This is all about the Broncos. It's not football season, but let's be honest, it's always football season. Uh, we will cut right to the heart of the most pressing concerns for the Denver Broncos. Um, but first, I am here with Nikki Javala, also of the Denver Post. Nikki, you were at the Super Bowl in Houston. Was what Bowl. was what was the single coolest thing you saw there football or not single coolest thing oh gosh now wait make sure because your definition of cool here's my definition of cool you and i in san francisco at the super bowl saw left shark up close so that That cannot left shark cannot be topped like nothing even close no cannot be topped i saw some famous people walking around um dish dish me one famous people I did see Lady Gaga roaming, but she wasn't in her meat outfit, so yeah. you know, knocks her down a few notches. So the the second coolest thing I saw at the Super Bowl that the Broncos played in mm-hmm. two years ago mm-hmm. was uh, for for Lady Gaga's national anthem. They wheeled the stage out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. We were not sitting together. They wheeled the stage out. It was not on TV. Uh, she does the anthem on the big stage in the middle of the field mm-hmm. and then it ends and immediately they start tearing down the stage have i told you this story they immediately start tearing down the stage and there are a bunch of like stage hands running around but right after the end of the anthem peyton manning runs onto the field to start warming up so he's throwing passes around probably to jordan taylor i, don't, I have no idea maybe not Sunshine. <laughs> but um but uh they're as they're tearing the stage down they're backing it off of the field in pieces, and one of the one of the stagehands has this giant piece of stage, and honest to God, he almost very nearly just kneecapped Peyton Manning, <laughs> which would have been the most the band taking the, cra- out the, star the craziest yeah like, yeah the craziest disaster bef- like before a Super Bowl ever. But the the end of the story is you Peyton Manning kind of threw his arms up like what the hell man. And the stagehand yelled at I don't know what, I was too far away to hear what they were saying, but the stagehand was like, no, I belong here. You don't. He, like, sort of, like, waved his hands and yelled back at Peyton Manning. Wow. The Super Bowl is about football second. It's about entertainment first. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. But wow. I bet you can think of something cool. But that's all right. You don't need to give us something cool for the... You seriously want me to top that? No, I was no. in the media center for a week straight, and you want me to top a Lady Gaga stagehand nearly right. taking out Peyton Manning before he wins his second Super Bowl title and rides off into the sunset? I cannot do that. He only rode off into the sunset because he survived the stagehand <laughs> kneecapping him. <laughs> he rode off in spite of Gaga. So it's, it seems quiet on the Broncos front right now but that is only because the steam is building. It is. It's like a locomotive. They're collecting steam and it will soon accelerate. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the next most pressing thing for the Broncos? Well, they hit a slight snag this week in that John Benton, their assistant offensive line coach, um, was granted permission to interview with the 49ers for their top offensive line coaching job and will likely land that job, which leaves the Broncos suddenly without one of their key pieces on the new offensive staff. Um, the plan initially was to have John Benton and offensive line coach um, Jeff Davidson uh, kind of marry their strengths, um, 
Benton worked with Kubiak in Houston, so he's very knowledgeable about the zone blocking scheme, and Davidson it knows uh, power blocking. So it was supposed to be a varied offense, especially up front, an improved one, of course. They hoped, anyway. So now they are they may be on the hunt for a, a new assistant under Davidson. Um, but from there, the priorities still start with that line. They have to get better in the front five. Yeah, no, it's a sneaky bit of news because normally who cares about an assistant offensive yeah. line coach, but if you're trying to make your team multifaceted mm-hmm. and we still don't know exactly what kind of offense they will run, when they hired Mike McCoy as offensive coordinator, they did so in part because he is able to coach several different kinds of schemes, but if you can't make those pieces work, especially on what was a bad offensive line last year, then all of a sudden you're in a hole. So I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, Nikki Javala, that they would look for somebody who has, if not exactly the same characteristics as John Benton, then something similar to replace him. Maybe. I, I think it's more of a relationship type thing, yeah. um, as are most coaching hires and promotions are built on relationships. How well do you work with you know, the guys you'll be working alongside or under? Um, you know, that's you look at the Broncos coaching staff now, that's kind of how they were built. Everybody worked with somebody somewhere at some point, and they were all brought together again on some level. Um, ben worked with Kubiak and Vance Joseph in Houston for a bit, so there's that connection. Um, Jeff Davidson worked with Mike McCoy, so there's that connection. I, I think the, the, the big thing here is, you know, getting that staff in place so they have a clear plan of what they're going to do, who they're going to seek in free agency in the draft to kind of build up that line because as Mike McCoy said at his introductory press conference in February, it all starts with that offensive line. You know, no matter what system you play, it all starts with the front five. This is the most pressing concern and it will carry on through the entire offseason, I am guessing. Um, Stepping back for a quick minute, the offensive line coach last year for the Broncos, Clancy Barone, mm-hmm. took some heat because the offensive line was was bad. They were probably a bottom five O-line in the league um, if we're ranking them. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose the buck has to stop with the position coach. But but ever, everybody that I talked to uh, about Clancy Barone mm-hmm. Um, maintained that he remains one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Um, he wasn't just some schlub. Um, maybe you've heard different, I don't know, but to, to me, it definitely falls on a player personnel issue, not necessarily a coaching issue. They, they're not going to solve all of their ills just by swapping out coaches. Um, so that leads us into what they might be able to do in free agency. Now, What's difficult for the Broncos at this point is they're not the only team looking for offensive linemen. And and it's not and even even it's definitely a seller's market. Um, because everybody's looking for more for to improve their offensive lines and there aren't very many players really available, especially in free agency. So where do they even start? Well, the tackle market got a lot deeper within the last forty eight hours really. A number of players were released. Um, but for the Broncos, it starts with making decisions on their two tackles. Um, Donald Stevenson, do you keep him? Do you cut him? Uh, he had a terrible season last year, and, and I think the feeling among many is that he probably shouldn't stick around. Um, 
Russell Kung, he kind of had that, he had a weird contract where he had, it was basically two contracts in one, and the Broncos are in this period now where they can decide to either exercise that option or not and just, you know, see him out the door, or they could ask him, you know, if, if you want to stay around, take him out to pick it and, you know, have a restructured deal, which he, he could do, technically. He's said he doesn't want to but you know he he might not have a choice if he wants to play so they need to figure out what they're going to do with those two positions before they decide to how they're going to fill them right right instead of working back to front yeah right now with Okung um you mentioned it would be a pay cut it would be a pay cut from what his current contract suggests he should make in year two but it's a ridiculous contract let's be honest like it's an enormous raise built into his second year there's no way they're going to go for that i don't think um it would have to be renegotiated it's not exactly like they're slashing his salary it's he wouldn't be making less than he would it's not that he would be making less than he made last year it would just be making less than what he wrote into the second year of his deal which is not guaranteed and is like an enormous jump he would have had to have been an all pro for them to even consider it and he was not um definitely interesting now what give me a name just throw me a name any name it doesn't even have to be necessarily like wh- who is somebody that we might look at as being an of interest possibly mm-hmm. for the broncos they've been mum on this subject but um i mean who who are we even talking about as somebody who could even help them right. i think one of the names that has come up is andrew whitworth um in terms of free agency and you you kind of wonder if they, if they look to free agency to to start to revamp the line because it is a difficult transition coming from college to the pros at offensive line, especially because a lot of these guys are coming from spread offenses. You know, guys are bigger, guys are stronger, the schemes are different, so it's a it's a much tougher transition, especially you know coming into a system like the Broncos where they kind of want to do the best of both worlds, as Vance Joseph said, where it's you know zone and power. Um, so they could start there. They're, you know, the offensive line draft class isn't great this year, but there have been, you know, a couple of players that have been tied to the Broncos and, you know, mocks that have been posted by analysts and experts. Um, you know, Garrett Bowles is one of them, and he's got an interesting personal story, and he might be a possible fit on this line. Another is uh, Ryan Ramchek, um, Wisconsin, who actually – played for um, Jeep Chris' brother, who's a coach at Wisconsin, and actually wanted Ryan, um, you know, when he, when he was a coach at Pitt. Um, so there is that family connection that could actually bode well for Ryan if he's still available. Um, yeah, yeah. Although n- there's no way they're going to solve their offensive line issues through the draft alone. No way. Um, not, and not through one move, maybe not in one year right. even. I mean, this is a... It's difficult to get a, a strong offensive line. It took Dallas a number of years, yeah. so it, this is not an overnight fix. They just gotta, they gotta get better somehow, some way. They have to get out of the bottom five. They have to get up yeah. north toward the middle of the pack at yeah. least. Um, and you mentioned Whitworth from the Bengals. Really, the only t- he's really the only tackle that I would mention as even being somebody who would be worth. I mean, there are other players who could maybe help yeah. them, but not in a in a kind of splashy right. way in any way. A bunch of guards, though. Right. Now, my first my first reaction to some of the guards who are available, um, like Ronald Leary mm-hmm. with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. um, didn't get a lot of face time with the Cowboys last year, only because they they kind of 
<laughs> didn't luck out. Like, they did a really good job of building the line in Dallas. But he sort of got pushed into a kind of sub role, a kind of backup role-ish. Um, and, he's, and he's much better than that. They, were just, they just had such a wealth of linemen. But anyway, my first impression when you look at the list of guards is do the, the Bronco it's not a it's not a sexy position you I mean do the Broncos really need a guard well my reaction to my first impression in my head was well they need everybody so why not get a guard or two um, but I, I mean the, everything is everything is on the table for the Broncos offensive line, right um, yeah I think the only guy that they probably won't get rid of is Matt Paradis, but he needs reinforcement too. This is a guy who has played every offensive snap. He's an undersized center, so if they decide to go to power more, that could be an issue. And he's also coming off two hip surgeries, which, you know, for any player, let alone an NFL player and an offensive lineman, that's significant. So, you know, the hope, of course, is that he's ready by the regular season, but, you know, that is that is a guy that's in on every single offensive down, so he needs to be really ready and he needs backup. So he's the only player I could think of that's not, you know, shouldn't have to worry. But and maybe Max Garcia too. But I mean that you never know. You never know. And the Broncos they come with surprises, so you never know. I stubbed my toe the other day and I was out for two days. He had wow. double hip surgery, Matt Paradis. So maybe the maybe the NFL is not in your future. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I left I left that dream on in the garbage can a long time ago. Um, but I mean, Matt Paradis says he wants to be back by training camp. Um, it's a it's a push, but we'll see. Um, kudos for him for even trying. But um, so so, but are, you we kind of mentioned that the, like you want to work like you want to work sort of in order to try to improve your team. Are, are they working backward though? Do they even know what kind of? Are they going to just try to build a team that can do a bunch of different things? Or, well, so are you looking for a whole bunch of Swiss Army knives of players? Well, I I, I think they want a varied offense. I was talking to Joel Dreesen about this, a former um, Broncos tight end, Texans tight end, who played for McCoy here in, in 2012, and he had the added task of playing for Peyton Manning who's like a second coordinator so you have you have McCoy's very varied offense which changes weekly as he said it would and then you have all the audibles at the line from Peyton Manning so it was he said it was pretty difficult you have to be extremely aware you have to be on you know you have to know what you're doing out there um but it was a much more proficient offense then um I think at this point, you know, they're still developing their playbook. When we last talked to Mike McCoy, they were in the early stages of their meetings, kind of, you know, looking at what are the key points they want to focus on and then, you know, filling out the details in their playbook. Um, I, I think the glaring holes right now on that side of the ball are, are obvious. You know, you got the offensive line. They need tight end help. They've been lacking a tight end weapon for two years running now, which, you know, is – it's pretty shocking considering that was always a staple of Gary Kubiak's offense, but it's it's also been a staple of Mike McCoy's offense too, so they need to find that. A.J. Derby may turn into that, but he was injured late in the season. He came on late too. Um, Jeff Hireman could surprise us and morph into that, but right now they, they need help there. So they got two big receiver uh, weapons and Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. They need help in the slot. Um, Jordan Nord's a free agent. Um, Cody Latimer just quite hasn't been there. He's in the last year of his rookie deal deal now. So they're probably looking for slot help, tight end help, offensive line. 
Um, you know, if they choose to stick with their two young quarterbacks, which they said they, they're committed to, you know, developing those guys, I wouldn't surprise me if they bring in a third veteran, the caliber of which remains to be seen. Well, hold that thought. Step back. You're getting ahead of ourselves. We will get to the quarterback situation okay. in a second. But speaking of players who might be able to help you immediately mm-hmm. in a draft, a tight end could be that kind of player. Right. You could make a you could make an impact immediately, right. and not that it's easy, and it's not that bad a draft right. play. So, so skipping for skipping forward past past free agency, or maybe this is before free agency, um, looking for offensive line help. The combine starts next week in Indianapolis. Uh, a week from so, yeah. soon, yeah. the end of February. <laughs> um, is that the kind of player that we might see a bunch of Broncos scouts at tight end? Possibly. I mean, I always look at the history of John Elway, and over the years, I mean, he's only picked one offensive player in the first round, and that was most recently Paxton Lynch. Um, he's always gone defensive, uh, and he, he cherishes his defense. He takes pride in his defense, and he's built a hell of a defense. Um, it actually wouldn't surprise me if he goes defense again in the first round and picks up, you know, a, a guy to bolster that line because they could foreseeably lose Sylvester Williams if they don't re-sign him in free agency here. Yeah. Um, Vance Walker's up too, and he was right. a guy that was kind of pegged as Malik's, uh, Malik Jackson's um, replacement, and yeah. he got injured. So they need help there. They got Derek Wolf on one end, and they need help on the others. But um, I, I could definitely see him going defensive line in the first round. Um, but tight end, possibly, yeah. I mean, there are a number of good guys. I'm looking at them now. I mean, you got O.J. Howard out of Alabama, who will likely be gone by the Broncos' number 20th pick. But um, the David Jokua from Miami is projected to go in the first round. Those, they both could be viable options for the Broncos. Uh, there are other viable options that they should be – investigating at the NFL Combine. Um, one name specifically that I'll throw at you in a second. But wait, let's let's get on a quick tangent real fast because a lot of people have forgotten about Vance Walker, um, defensive lineman mm-hmm. who they were counting on last year, injured, tore up his knee in spring training. Um, can, spring will it, training year? Did I just say spring training? spring training? It's because we're in spring right now, in training camp. <laughs> Says uh, the former baseball writer. Yeah. In training camp, <laughs> I stopped doing that eventually, and now I'm doing it again. The um, he he's sitting right there for them. He shouldn't he shouldn't cost a ton, right? Coming off that injury, he should be. They should have an inside track on him, right? They should, and they probably do. But you know, I think they he's they liked him and they wanted him as the replacement for Malik. But they have a chance to make a splash move on the line. And there are guys available in this class. So do you want to make that move there and really bolster that line and kind of shore up that run defense, which was the Achilles heel for them on that side of the ball last year? Um, And and maybe bring him on on a smaller deal and make him the backup as he was before. There's that possibility too. Right. But getting back to the offensive side of the ball, there's a name – that's right there that will attract a lot of attention at the combine and in the draft and just in barroom conversation <laughs> in barroom conversations all over Colorado um, does his name 
start with a C and end with a McCaffrey? <laughs> it's, it, it rhymes with with pick Affrey. Um, Christian McCaffrey is there. Um, he will be listed as a, a running back, I think, on draft boards. He's mm-hmm. probably not a running back, or not strictly one anyway. Well, that's what that's what's interesting about him to me is like you might be able to put him in slot, put him in running back, use him in the return game. I mean, he fills so many holes in. Uh, I was listening to Mike McCoy on a podcast. Uh, Mike McCoy, um, was it Todd McShay, I believe, on a, on a podcast with Ross Tucker, uh, NFL.com, uh, and he likened him to Danny Woodhead, which I thought was interesting. Um, but he's McCaffrey is a guy that could foreseeably step in and contribute in some way, somehow, and do it well. Um, the Broncos have a huge hole in the return game, I and mean, they lack their. Jordan Norwood's a free agent. They need help. Um, they need a slot receiver. They could use, you know, help in the run game, too. I mean, they got C.J. Anderson coming off an injury, and they got um, Devontae Booker, who in his second year should be a lot more comfortable back there. And they've liked Capri Bibbs, but you know, the, the run game just lacked production all around. If, if Christian McCaffrey is a bigger, stronger, faster, more talented Danny Woodhead, then and because Danny Woodhead is awesome, but he came out of D2, Shadron, Nebraska. Um, awesome career. I would take Danny Woodhead in a minute, in a second. Um, and if Christian McCaffrey's even better than that, then to me that's a top 10 pick. Will he even be there for the Broncos? Yeah, I mean, they're projecting, they're projecting right now, and this is what, February 17th, we're recording this. He's projected right now to be kind of late round, maybe early second, which is actually great for him, yeah. you know, for his sake. You'd think he'd want to stay there because, yes, you get more money at the top, but you land with a better team at the bottom of the right. first round. So, you know, everybody talks about the Patriots. He could be a key contributor for the Patriots. That would sting a lot of Broncos fans, I'm sure, but... It's just, it's so strange, like, it's apples and oranges comparing the NFL to the NBA, but we've seen in the NBA, when you get hybrid players, teams cannot figure out how to defend them. So, like, if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a seven-foot center who can play in the post, super. All, every other team has somebody who can defend that. But if you have, if you have a seven-foot center who can handle the ball and shoot a three, like Nikola Jokic, for example, then all of a sudden you have a bunch of weird matchup issues. To me, Christian McCaffrey sounds like a, a matchup nightmare because he can do so many different things. Well, his size. you got to think about his size. That's the biggest thing. Um, but, yeah, no, you're totally right. And I mean, this is not a direct comparison because it's LeBron, and LeBron is in a class of his own, but you know, he is the ultimate hybrid player among hybrid right. players. He can play every single position. So, And the Broncos like that. They like guys that can kind of fill a couple holes at once. Yeah. Um, and I mean, McCaffrey would be a great addition for them. It's yeah. just, do, is that where they want to prioritize? It would be a great story, too. I want it. <laughs> for, for the sake of the yeah, Right, for the, yeah, for the sake of the story, it would be awesome. Yeah. Um, he, you know, the, the old adage, it's a cliche, that you, you, know, you just pick the best available player in the first round. Mm-hmm. This, that, it exists for a reason, because it is usually the smart move. But usually, though, the Broncos don't have such glaring issues um, to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, They're going to stick with best player available. Though. That's kind of how that's 
how they roll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but what's unfortunate for them is, like, the, their most glaring hole is not a player who can help them necessarily in, as a first-round pick. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be too, too, too uh, perfect. Uh, it would be a, almost a fictional story if he was able to play for the team his dad played for and where he played in high school. And But, yeah. Um, All I can say is John Elway is known to pull out some surprises on draft night. In 2014, he traded up to get Shane Ray, a, a guy that you know days earlier had been popped for marijuana possession, and he's turned out to be a vital piece on the edge. I mean, he is the future on the edge with Von Miller. Um, last year, he traded up to get Paxton Lynch after months of panic over the quarterback situation. And not that Paxton has become the answer, but – you know, he he kind of surprised some people with yeah. that move, and I would ex- I would expect him to pull another move in April. Well, yeah, not to ruin your hopes and dreams of a cool story, but he could just as easily pop a surprising trade out of the first round. Totally feasible. Um, they get a bevy of picks, <laughs> and this is the first year that you can trade compensatory picks. And the Broncos are expected to get four of them for you know losing was it Brock Osweiler, or Danny Trevathan, um, Malik Jackson, and Ryan Harris. So they're, gonna, they're armed with picks and cap space. So this could be a really interesting few months here. Yeah. But there's a more – there's a player who could make a bigger, a much bigger, much more immediate impact for the Broncos next season. Um, he's not on the table yet. But, uh, but to me, all of the stars are – headed toward aligning for Tony Romo to be the Denver Broncos quarterback next year. What stars are you looking uh, at? <laughs> the stars on my bedroom <laughs> ceiling. Um, yeah, just, I mean, nothing has happened in that regard yet. And the Cowboys and Romo, who were all super chatty um, after the season ended, have stopped talking about it. What? G- give me, let me put you on the spot. Um, percent chance that he's Denver Broncos quarterback next season right now, in your opinion? It, it all comes down to money. Um, the thing with him is he's he's an older quarterback with a very lengthy history of, of injuries. Um, and the last one is you can't overlook that one. That was behind the best offensive line in football. Think about you know if you spend all your money on Tony Romo and you put it behind the current offensive line, he's going to get killed back there. Um, so it's all going to come down to money. If, if, if the Cowboys cut him down, they could save, you know, 5.1 million I think it is in cap space if they cut him post June they could split his cap charge over two seasons but you know that that limits them in free agency and that's a late addition for the Broncos um, so his his contract as is is significant and it would have I mean the Cowboys would eat quite a bit and the Broncos would want to restructure it he might be reo- you know open to restructuring if you know he's coming to Denver, but that's what it comes down to. Here's my retort, Nikki. Um, the Cowboys are going to eat that money one way or another. So no, it, not if they, yeah. I, I don't foresee them just keeping him just f- just no. to pay him for no, no reason. No. Um, and it's true that it's worrisome that Tony Romo would be playing behind the offensive line of last year of the, for the Broncos. But it's worrisome for Trevor Simeon to be playing back there as well. It's the same difference. Right, except if you spend your money on Tomo Romo, you have less to spend on that offensive line. True. You don't think they can do both? 
They 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 got to get that cap number down on yeah. Tony Romo. He that is just too much to pay for an aging quarterback with his injury history. Um, because that's it's not a long term thing. It could be. It could end up being if they, if they decide to go down that road, but. They've, they've said they're committed to these young guys, so we'll see. I wouldn't mind them seeing them develop Trevor and Paxton and bring in a third veteran for, you know, for help, for reinforcement. Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't know why I just said his name. <laughs> you just say that because he looks like you. That's the only reason <laughs> I said twin. that. Um, I, they, can get that, they can get his salary way down. I think it's totally feasible. Um, but here's the, here's the problem, though. The question though. is, do they want him? I haven't gotten that sense that they want. I have I have not gotten a, a specific impression that they want him, but I have not got an impression that they don't either. Uh, I th- I believe they should most certainly want him. Um, he would be an immediate upgrade, um, in my opinion. As Nikki crunches her face into a disagreement, but hold but hold on, let's let's skip over that for a second. Mm-hmm. Are they really going to build an offense not potentially not knowing who their quarterback is? They must. You can't. Despite Mike McCoy's ability to coach in different mm-hmm. offensive schemes mm-hmm. um, and on the fly, he's done it on the fly. It's been really impressive. Um, you have to be able to at least build build a team around what you know your offense will g- at least generally be. Right. Well, they did last year. That didn't work out so well. Um, I mean, they they know what they're working with now in Paxton and Trevor, so they're not going in cold like they were last season. Um, they say they want to have another competition, which I think will be interesting because, you know, Trevor's coming off that elective soldier, uh, shoulder surgery, um, and I wouldn't expect him to start throwing again until OTAs. So he's going to have a you know, delayed start, sort of, whereas last year he really got going early, and that, you know, that was beneficial to him. So there's a lot of question marks there. A lot can happen between now and the combine, now and the start of free agency, now and the in the draft, so... Let, let me throw some tea leaves at you real fast. I don't know if I've told you this story. So Paul Klee and I are talking to Mike McCoy at the Valley um, the other day when he was sort of formally introduced. Um, and Look at Paul Klee getting a shout-out. Uh, he and I were... He and I... Uh, we, we did not plan this, but for whatever reason, mind meld. Paul Klee and I were, like, both uh, interested in... Mike McCoy's Mike McCoy's memories or impressions or of of his time coaching specifically Tim Tebow. What I wanted to know from Mike McCoy was within coaching circles, hardcore NFL coaching circles, the upper echelon of of coaches with even within the NFL. Mm-hmm. Did they do they dismiss do they dismiss his uh, success really it was in in completely flipping an offense to, to make Tim Tebow at least passably successful, do they dismiss that as just being a weird, a weird uh, blip in in the in Mike McCoy's career, or was it really something that showed how well he can coach different different players in different schemes? He, I, I did not expect this from him, but he uh, he started to beam. He he answered very. Uh, very strongly, very and and very enthusiastically, that he he is very proud of what he was able to do with Tim Tebow. He 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 
he came up with a college formula to work in the NFL. That was amazing. So I think that they would be completely, what I take away from this is, they would be completely okay with going into the season, Mm -hmm. not necessarily knowing who their quarterback is going to be. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, this is, and I think that's what helped bring him back here, is because he made an offense for Tim Tebow. He made an offense for Peyton Manning. Of course, Peyton Manning kind of makes his own offense at some point, but to go from Tebow to Manning is, sorry, Tim, but that's quite a shift. Yeah. And then to go to Phillip Rivers, I mean, I I think his ability to adapt is what helped brought him back because he's going to need to adapt with the quarterback situation in flux. Yeah. Nikki, we just figured it out. Are we are we gonna go into the third preseason game with a three-person quarterback battle like last year? Was 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 Mark Sanchez? Was was second second game? It wasn't though. Two the second preseason game. All right, first preseason game we did not know. Mark Sanchez started the first preseason game at Chicago. The second preseason game was in Denver. We didn't know by then. No, but we knew we knew it would be Trevor or we went into camp not knowing we had one A and one B. Paxton had, was kind of behind the pack. Right. Um, yeah, we very well could, wow. but you know, they like to keep it interesting for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's plenty to write about. Yeah. Uh, cool. What else is happening next? I'm gonna get more coffee next. Is what's gonna happen? <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> There's lots of weird – the NFL off-seasons are strange. Nothing happens and then everything happens. Oh, yeah. So um, get two coffees and make sure your phone's charged. By the time you see me at the start of workouts, I'll probably just have an IV in my arm with coffee slowly dripping all day. <laughs> I feel like the only – that's the next step for me. Like with a don't mess with me hat yes. on. Yeah. All right, you've been listening to the First in Orange podcast of the Denver Post. For Nikki Jabala, I'm Nick Groke. Keep looking out, denverpost.com, for all kinds of crazy, unexpected off-season Broncos news.